Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners. Dr. Lucy here. And today, I don't have Dr. Mary with me. I have a guest and we thought with guests that there would just be one of us doing the interview. It gets a bit noisy otherwise, but I have a beautiful special guest who I am so excited to talk to. Her name is Alani. She's one of our special Inner Circle members and she has the most fantastic story to tell and I think you are all going to glean some incredible pearls of wisdom. Welcome Alani to the podcast. Thanks Dr. Lucy, nice to be here. Alani, tell us, if you don't mind, a little bit about your story. Uh, well, just, just me as a, as a human. I'm an expat from South Africa, as you can hear by this thick accent. It's a gorgeous um, accent. I've been, <laughs> been living on in, a, um, in Australia for 15, nearly 16 years now, um, living on the Gold Coast in sunny Queensland. And um, yeah, married, no kids, got two fluffy fur dogs as my babies, and um Running is my passion. That's what I do for entertainment and for fun and stress relief and mental health and friendship and social life. And um, yeah, I've just recently stumbled upon the, the low-carb lifestyle and it's been fantastic and it's been a game changer for me in many ways. And when you say running, you're not just doing a little jog around the block, are you? <laughs> not quite. A couple of blocks. <laughs> yeah, so I do uh, marathon running is my passion. That's uh, the long distance stuff is where I love to suffer so um yes i do run probably about five days a week on average during the week normally about three days sort of tuesday wednesday thursday sort of between eight and ten kilometers and then over the weekends that's when we do our longer stuff so it's normally like a 15 or something on a saturday and then the long runs on the sunday normally like a 20 25 depending what you're training for marathon season is coming up we actually got the brisbane marathon coming up in eight weeks time so it's time to start stepping up the mileage again so yeah we'll be stepping up to the 25s and 30s soon on the sunday wonderful oh i mean i'm totally in awe i you know even when my most people know i've got muscular dystrophy but even when my muscles worked i think the furthest i ever run was eight k's and it was like that felt like a marathon. So I just, it's one of those things that I just can't quite fathom, but I'm always so totally impressed with anyone that can get, because there's a bit of a headspace, isn't it, that you have to get into? Absolutely. Absolutely. Running is very physical, but it's very mental as well. There's lots of ups and downs. Even in, even in one single run, you'll have your little bits and pieces where you're cruising along and, you know, just seeing autopilot and you're just going and you're in the zone and then all of a sudden for no reason there'll just be a tough beat but you learn you learn to get through the tough bits and then enjoy the good bits as well so yeah but it's definitely a mental game but um it's so rewarding at the same time so it's it's really it's really great once you get into it Hmm. interesting a mental game sounds a little bit like changing your life and you know the journey that that lots of us are on to change our relationship with food and and lose weight if we need to so tell us, did you need to lose weight? I mean, you're in our, you know, real health and weight loss circle, but did you, you know, as a marathoner, were you overweight? At the time, looking at it, I probably was slightly in denial <laughs> because of the mileage you do, you get in this false sense of security that I can eat whatever I want because I'm going to run it off tomorrow. When in reality, I was actually just sabotaging my running by eating poorly and just not fueling properly and not you know, recovering properly, because 
having now changed my ways, I've, um, I've learned, I think my whole approach has changed. Previously, I used to run to control my weight, but I've changed it since then where I'm actually controlling my eating so that I can actually be a better runner. And it's a lot easier. I've, got, like, I've lost 15 kilos in the last sort of 12 months or so. And I can tell you it's a lot easier to run <laughs> 15 kilos less on your back <laughs> and around your waist and around your legs. It's, it's way easier, yeah. So my, I think my whole mind shift has changed from I don't run to lose weight anymore. I've just I've controlled my eating and I watch what I eat because I know it makes me run better and enjoy my running more. And, and uh, yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a big mind shift for me. Absolutely. And I'm thinking about a guy that a lot of our listeners may know called Darren Graham, who is in the low-carb world in Melbourne. And he has lost an extraordinary amount of weight, like 100 kilos. And he has this little tagline, which is, I don't exercise to lose weight. I exercise because I've lost weight. Yes. That sounds good. Yeah, it is. I think it is just that total mind shift. And that as people that use exercise to control their weight, exercise doesn't become something, it becomes almost like a punitive thing, doesn't it? It's not actually always that fun, something you have to do. Yes, that's right. And it's just also the more you, I think the more you look after your body in the sense of eating correctly and well, eating what's helpful and not harmful. Like in the old days, I would, the night before a big run, I would sit with a, a burger and a chips and a pint of beer because that's the carbo loading. So there's bread and chips and beer all in one meal. Because hey, we're running tomorrow. And then tomorrow after the run, you do something similar afterwards. Or have a big croissant with your fluffy coffee afterwards for refueling or your chocolate milk and all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's been a, a changer. Like now, the night before, I would be much more cautious of thinking, right, running tomorrow, so what do I want to have tonight? So make sure I go for the protein stuff, for example. Like, make sure I've gone for steak now the night before. That works for me. I love having a big fat piece of steak with some veggies on the side, and there's no carbs in sight, and it's been fantastic to not see myself as a fueled by carbs anymore. And even if I look back at photos, because thank goodness for Facebook, we've got reminders popping up <laughs> every day to tell us what you were doing last year this time in the last 10 years on this day. And um, obviously I've been on a roller coaster of weight loss all my life. So there's a variety of shapes and sizes of me over the you know 15 years I've been on Facebook. But it's, um, it's just refreshing to see I feel so much better. I run better. But if you look at the photos, and I won't say I look thinner, like I've, you know, I've, I don't, not like to use those words but a compliment that I get that I really love is people tell me you look so fit that that for me is the ultimate compliment I don't care to look thin because I've never been thin and I never will be thin but to tell me I look fit that's like the ultimate compliment in my world so yes that's been lovely yeah I totally love that I love the fact that we are shifting you know the the emphasis is not on thin or skinny it's on fit and healthy and yeah, that's again, same with me. It's that thing of, oh God, you look so healthy. Your skin's so great. And I go, well, I'm not, you know, plumping a whole heap of garbage in my body anymore. So, you know, when people say, well, you know, people who need to lose weight need to do more exercise. Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's, yes. Well, clearly, I think I'm a proven example that, that that's not, it's not true. It sounds in your head like it makes sense, but it doesn't because- even if I just compare my own life, 2019 versus 2020, like kilometer-wise, like there was only, I think it was 150 kilometer difference. If I, I do big volume, like I did nearly 3,000 kilometers last year running. 
and the year before was 2,850. So there's no difference in the mileage. All the difference was in what I put on my plate. So the exercise did not drive the weight loss. So to tell people to move more, it's, it's not the answer. It's what happens in the kitchen is the, the, the health happens in the kitchen and then the exercise comes with it as, a, as an extra. It's good for you and good for your mental health. It's good for you physically, but it's not the weight loss tool that people would like it to be. It's not. Yeah, I totally agree. And I see this a lot where people, and again, I'm using women as an example because I see mostly women, but if, you know, they almost sometimes have exercise trauma where they've maybe always been a little bit overweight. They've been the last kid to be picked on the team. You know, exercise has been hard for them and they've then got this relationship with movement that it's always, that it's so hard. And then they change their eating, you know, lose some weight and find actually exercise is not so hard. And, you know, you know that we use the word movement more than exercise. Exercise just has this, again, punitive connotation. Movement, just move your body. Sounds a little more gentle, although (laughs) marathon movement, not so gentle, (laughs) but anyway. Um, So, yeah, I think that it does. What you've done is you've changed your relationship, not just with food, which we'll talk about in a minute, but with movement. Yes, totally. And even this morning, because I was out there this morning running, because I do like to go early. So, you know, at the crack of dawn, but I was just thinking while I was running and for a moment, I actually thought that even just mindfulness has come into things where sometimes you just go along and you get caught up in your own mind and solving the world's problems. But some days... Like this morning, for example, I just for a moment saw the blue sky and I felt the nice sunshine and I actually heard the birds and you see the green grass from all the rain we've had. And it just over and above the exercise for your, I think just for your mental health and just your freshness, it's just so beautiful to be out there. Like you don't have to be running, you can just be walking along the path. I prefer to run along the path, but you don't have to. Like you say, movement, it doesn't have to be strenuous exercise, doesn't have to be torturous exercise, just any form of movement and just, just get out in the in the nature and in the world. It doesn't even have to be a bushwalk. It can just be along the suburban streets and you just take in what's going on around you and it's just so good for you. It's lovely. Oh, I love that, Alani. I totally love that. I love that you've been embracing, you know, not just, you know, the food and the movement, but the whole lifestyle change that's happened for you over the last 12 months, which is just incredible. It's interesting. So, I'm thinking about the marathoning bit a bit and and Tim Noakes, who I'm sure you're aware of, the very famous South African doctor who who was also a marathoner and fueled, you know, exclusively on on carbs and glucose until he developed type two diabetes. So even as a runner of extraordinary distances, all of that glucose, you know, eventually led to him having type two diabetes. So what about your performance as a runner? I mean, you've sort of alluded to it being improved and obviously carrying 15 less kilos will be helpful for that. But, you know, everyone still thinks about carb loading. What are your thoughts on that now? What do you do? I mean, you mentioned a steak, but what else? What, how do you, you know, are you having gels during your marathons or what are you doing? Yes, that, that has been fantastic to get rid of the gels, actually. So, in the olden days, I definitely was a carb runner and you have to pop those horrible tasting gels every 45 minutes to an hour, which gives you like a hit of sugar, basically. 
and it gets depleted after about half an hour to 45 minutes. So during a whole marathon, you would go through five or six of those. And by number three or four, your stomach is in a knot and you're not feeling that fantastic. So for me, I've just been so happy to get rid of it. So when I did my last ultra, that was in December, the 50K that I did in December, I ran the entire thing on electrolytes and water. And that was it. I didn't have a single gel, not a single energy bar, nothing. So having become fat adapted, it's just been a game changer. Like I've literally thrown out all the gels that I used to have in my stash in the pantry. So they all gone. And what I have found, which was really also an eye opener is it's not only the physical in, in running, we call it bonking when you run out of, if you're a sugar runner and you run out of sugar and glucose and carbs and you hit that um, hyperglycemic, you it's it bonking. So it's a physical thing where you physically feel like you cannot lift your feet anymore and it's just a struggle to move forward. But apart from that struggle, it normally happens around the 30-kilometer mark in a marathon on average. It's about three hours and then you deplete it. The mental dark hole that you fall into, that was worse than the physical. You doubt yourself, you doubt. And I've been through a couple of marathons in recent years where that's happened and you just feel why am I here? Why am I running? How did I think I could do this? This is ridiculous. This is the last time. I'm never doing this again. This is nonsense. <laughs> and on the 50 in December, I ran through the entire, well, I didn't run the whole thing. I did walk bits and pieces, but that's besides the point. But the fact is I was in the clearest headspace, feeling happy. I had a big smile on my face. I enjoyed the whole thing, even though it took me six hours to do it. And I came out the other end and I th that was the most obvious thing, apart from not having gels. And I was, you know, that's what I commented onto friends and fellow runners is I never hit that dark hole of mental darkness <laughs> of being energy depleted and sugar depleted. So not being a car burner anymore, but having, you know, officially become in my world, a fat burner. And I run on, I run on fat fuel now and it's just been fantastic. It's just so good. You don't have to carry anything with you. You just need to make sure you have water and the electrolytes to top up because obviously it's sweat central in Queensland. So you sweat a lot. So you just need to stay on top of that, that you, you know, uh, taking enough electrolytes along the way or your salt and that stuff. But yeah, it's fantastic not to be a, a car burner anymore. It's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. And in fact, you know, you've just described beautifully that thing. You know, if we use the, the woodshed analogy, your fireplace has, you know, with just using kindling, it basically comes down to a couple of little embers and that's all you've got for your fuel. So your body and your brain just hit the wall and because, you know, we're not a fat burner, you can't just pop into your woodshed and grab a log out. Your brain's going and your body is going, right, well, where's my kindling? I need some more. So you've got to actually eat it. And it's so I find it fascinating that those gels are so, everyone says they're disgusting. They taste terrible and they upset your guts. But yes, they do. <laughs> yes, we soldier on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's weird how we persist with things that our body says, no, please, no. And yet we go, I don't care what you're saying. We're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. So then you have to decide, do you want to feel depleted and dying from being out of energy? Or do you want to feel sick in the stomach from popping another gel? Like which one of the two, <laughs> which is a lesser yeah, of the two evils? Totally. So yes, to get off the gels has been fantastic. It did take a while. I must be honest, that took quite a while for me to adapt to that. To In the beginning, my runs were horrible because I'd did feel like I was bonking because I wasn't a fat burner. So I did physically run out of energy on my long runs and I was struggling. And I was thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to stick with this, but I just decided to be stubborn enough and stick to it and just keep working on it. And slowly but surely you could start to feel the difference. Like you, in the beginning, you could make it to 10 and then you started to feel 
crappy and then you made it to 15 and eventually one day I was like oh I just ran 21 and I didn't have anything and I feel great and yeah so it's it's it was good it took a couple of weeks probably a good six to eight weeks to to swap over to to not use any carbs during the runs but it's been great to get rid of them and it's a save of money as well it's not like the gels are cheap <laughs> so it's a good yeah. cost saving as well not to have to stock up on them Totally. And I think, I mean, that fits in perfectly with what we say about six to eight weeks to become fat adapted. So I think for any people out there who are runners, you know, if you're going, you know, you wouldn't change your eating to become a fat burner just before a competition or something. You would have to give yourself a couple of months yeah, so in a, in, a, in a weird way, COVID was a blessing in disguise for the runners because there was no events. So you had more than enough time to practice and just run on the weekends. And there's no, you know, there's no performance that's uh, on, the, on the spell. You didn't pay money to enter anything. So you could just, just train and just adapt and change over. And now that we back out and having events again, now you're ready to go. So it's great. Yeah, wonderful. One of the things that I see, Alani, with you is that you – turn up and I'm using my famous air quotes that people can't see because we're um, (laughs) but you turn up to everything that's offered so you know in our real life medicine programs we have a lot of content that people can pick and choose from but I find that the people that are able to really make significant changes turn up tell me about that for you how's that working and, and why do you do it I think um there's always something to learn. You cannot hear the same message too many times, especially if it's, you know, like you say, it's 40 years worth of bad messages in your head that you need to change your way of thinking. And even if you hear the same thing again and again and again, it just ingrains it. And not to keep going back to running, but in a way it's the same thing. Like you can't just turn up only for the events or only for the long run. You need to do all the short runs during the week as well to build up that stamina and the strength for the weekends when it gets longer. So in my opinion, it's, even if you just watch all the lives in the morning, you get a little snippet of information there that you're like, oh, think about that. Or, or that's just reinforces something that I thought I know. And yep, I'm on the right track. Sometimes it, sometimes you learn something new. Sometimes it reinforces something that you have learned. And you're like, yep, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Sometimes somebody asks a question that you haven't even thought about. You're like, oh, that's a good question. And you can pick something from it. So for me, it is, you, you need to turn up, you need to attend, any, whether it's small, a five-minute live in the morning or whether it's a one-hour Zoom <laughs> in a fortnight, it's, um, there's always something to learn and you cannot hear the message often enough. It's repetition, like anything else. The more you do it, the more it becomes second nature and just that's just what you do. So if you hear it over and over and over, it sticks eventually. So I love turning. And, and, and there's the social side of it as well. Like you get to know some of the other people in the group and the others who turn up regularly as well, and you start to become, develop little friendships <laughs> on the sideline outside of the, the circle thing. So, yes, it's been, it's been nice to get to know some other people and that, learn their backstory and start to communicate with them. So it's, been a, so it's nice to have a, a different circle of friendship and community outside of my running circle and community. So it's a different – so in my sort of world, you've got your work group, your, your weight loss or your health group, and then your running group. So, yeah, it's nice, nice to have a separate little community completely removed from anything else that I do that nobody else in my other circles even know these people, but they, they're my little friends. <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. And, um, and I think, yeah, community is wonderful. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because we, you know, in the circle, there's all ages. And at one stage, I would have thought, oh, you know, in my head, I would have thought, oh, I'm not going to have anything in common with that person, because, you know, they're older than me, or they're younger than me, or they're doing different stuff to me, or, but 
we learn so much from other people, don't we? Definitely, definitely. And it's also interesting sometimes where there's like a shift, like you'll meet people who's been there forever and, you know, the wise people in the group and you learn so much from them. And then the longer you've been there, then all of a sudden, I'm not saying you're wise, but suddenly there's newbies and they ask a question like, I know the answer to that question <laughs> and I can help you. If there's nobody else to jump in and answer the question, I can answer it with confidence and I know I'm giving you the, the correct advice. So it's nice to start to feel like a valued member of the group as well, where you, we can also offer a little bit and not just receive, but actually have something to offer other people as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Alani, you are totally a valued member of our group. We are so blessed to have you in. I think that what you are doing with your life, I mean, it's amazing. You have changed your future life, your future health, your future path, and changing the way you think, which is actually what it's all about. In the end, it's all about the way you think, you know, about something is the key to being able to do it permanently. That's right. Yes, no, definitely. Now, the mind is such a powerful thing. And if you can get in it and on top of it and, uh, and get the right messages in there and the positivity, and yes, that's, that's the way to go. And I've been very lucky to find you guys. That must give you credit as well. Cause, and just so being so approachable and, and being so normal <laughs> and relatable, it's been, <laughs> it's refreshing. It's really, it's really good. You, you know, just, it's just a great group to be part of and I'm really lucky that our paths have crossed along the way. So thank you for all of that as well. Oh, well, thank you, Alani. Thank you very much. All right, darlings, that's it for us this week. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Get plenty of sleep, do a little movement, eat well, and I will see you next week. Goodbye, darlings. Gorgeous ones, if you would like to work with us, The next 12-week Mind-Body Rebalance starts May the 2nd. Doors for enrolment open April 26, and we have bonuses for those who enroll in the first three days. On top of that, lovely podcast listeners, we have a special bonus for you. If you enter the code PODCAST, you will get $200 off the cost of the course. We are thrilled with the way this course has been going and the feedback we've been getting from our participants and we would love for you to join us there too. For further information and to sign up for the course, head to our website at rlmedicine.com. Take care, wonderful ones, and have an incredible week.